Here we go. Episode four of the Look Closer podcast. Thanks so much for listening today. We have Catherine Darden, my younger sister, who is a sophomore at Clemson University, uh, studying marketing, involved in Young Life, uh, and she is awesome. We had a really great conversation about uh, the kind of the performance culture that exists at colleges, um, working really hard to get good grades, to get your first job, to get into a, a really good career, um, and how that contrasts with uh, the attitudes that we have as Christians, believing that our identity is in Christ and that he's going to provide for us and that we don't need to prove our worth or, or get validation anyway. So it was really great. Along the way, we so the Enneagram came up as we were talking about um, our core motivations and what, what drives us. And we talked about being a high schooler today and how hard it is to apply to college and get rid of that um, performance mindset. Um, but it was it was awesome. We really enjoyed talking and uh, I hope you enjoy too. So uh, here's the intro and we'll jump in. Thanks. All right, we are here with Catherine Darden my sister on the Look Closer podcast. We are calling Catherine. It's Monday morning, uh, live from Clemson, South Carolina. Catherine, how are you doing today? I'm good. It's chilly outside, but we're making it. Classes are done, so rest of the afternoon to mess up. I know that 40 degrees and raining feel is uh, yes. is pretty pretty brisk. Um, well, thanks for coming on, Catherine. So we are of six course. years apart in age. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we had a little bit of time in the house together and then I was off at school and then we, yep. we've been able to catch up and see each other a good bit over holidays and, and things like that. But, um, wanted you to come on cause I think you have some pretty great perspective to share being in college and, and seeing the culture of, of Christians in college and, and kind of how it all comes together. But, uh, but yeah, I'd love, love for you to just kind of share a little bit of your story and, and, and what prompted this conversation today. Yeah. um, So I am a sophomore at Clemson. I am currently studying marketing with a minor in communications and just kind of getting to throw that. Um, But yeah, just really loving life at Clemson. I'm kind of the only one of my family. Like if you know, Will, they went to Chapel Hill and our parents went to Auburn. So I've kind of been a pioneer at Clemson. Pioneer. I am. And just like, it's fun to kind of have my own experience with that and then be sharing that and then hopefully... Um, our youngest brother, I'm trying to convince him to go Clemson, but he's kind of half and half with UNC Clemson. Um, but UNC is a great school, so I can see why. You know, it's um, funny. I actually have a Clemson shirt on under my Chapel Hill sweatshirt right no now. Way. <laughs> so I'm repping, I'm repping so you right sweet. now. I know. Oh my goodness. Just to like get in the posture of this conversation. That's exactly. Awesome. Exactly. Um, yeah. And basically a lot of my time, I was placed as a young life leader my we went through a training program um and that was my freshman year and then at the end of freshman year i was placed on a team with 14 other people um and i lead at wahala high school in wahala south carolina so that's an interesting experience um i am learning how to do that as well i was involved in young life in high school um but this is really where i wanted to pour in and have my own ministry with young life and that's been just such a big part of my time at Clemson and I'm also in a sorority too so that's been able to help me um, meet new people and yeah just kind of get out of my comfort zone being out of state and not really coming into college having a lot of um, friends with me so Mm -hmm. it's been great I love 
the Clemson experience, the Clemson yeah. family. Great We're football. We're doing really well in football, I know. Exactly. Hopefully you can in, can beat I Alabama love, again this year. <laughs> love football. <laughs> yeah, well, when we were talking on the phone yesterday, kind of thinking through what we'd want to talk about today, um, one of the things that we, we thought would be something good to talk about is, is this culture of achievement, this culture of performance on college campuses, uh, kind of this idea that when you're in high school, you have to work really hard to get into a good college. When you're in college, mm-hmm. you have to work really hard to get good grades so that you can get a good job and, and ultimately have a good life. Uh, this, mm-hmm. this mindset permeates so much of the culture around college and the culture around finding jobs and finding things that, that, that satisfy uh, your dreams and desires, but we talked a little bit about how that might not be the best thing. That that culture may not be the best thing for um, for 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 Christians, for anyone on college, really. But I'd love to hear kind of your perspective on on that and what you've seen during your time at Clemson. Yeah, um, it's been crazy just kind of adjusting to that. I think that I did work really hard to get into some level or just to get into college um, in high school and just having okay, that's my next just kind of step um and then now I'm kind of figuring out what my next step is because I'm trying to be present in college but then also realizing that I'm a marketing major and the business school at Clemson is growing um and I have to figure out ways to differentiate myself and so I'm already getting stressed out about doing things necessarily for my resume and not necessarily because I'm passionate for the uh, passionate about them, hmm. um, and kind of building my resume of, okay, well, this would look really good if I'm involved in student council and this would look good if I am more than just a young life leader on campus. So that's kind of where I'm trying to spread myself is, um, making sure that I'm involved in different avenues that make me look different. Cause I think freshman year, I kind of just didn't, wasn't as serious about getting a job because I thought, that was so far away and I was just trying to get through my gen eds. Um, but now that people that are my peers are getting equal opportunities and um, internships, it's kind of getting more competitive and um, definitely with the engineering major at Clemson and just there's a big nursing, really competitive nursing program and um, really hard to get into elementary ed too because it's a close major. Right. There's a big culture of um, striving for that and then a lot of people are going to schooling after that too. Um, so it's also easy to cut corners with that too. Right. And um, just kind of thinking of the next step of I'm just trying to get into grad school. I'm just trying to, I mean, that's how I feel about my accounting classes and stuff. Like I'm not really going to be striving to really <laughs> wrap my head around this statistic or accounting concept because I'm like, I'm not going to be using this right. as much as I'm going right. to be using my social media marketing class that I just really put my best foot forward on. Right. So, And you can see this broader transition of going to college as enriching the mind uh, 100 mm-hmm. years ago, right? You go to college, you, you spend four years to, to learn about the liberal arts and to just engage your mind, engage your heart, um, mm-hmm. kind of this idea of education for education's sake and that an educated society just creates a better society for all. Um, and so really only a small group of people had the luxury, the means, uh, the, the money to go to college, forego four years of work. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was sort of this this upper echelon thing. And then over time, mm-hmm. we've seen uh, the enrollment numbers of colleges skyrocket for the same number of, of seats. And so people are applying, but because there's the same number of spots at the colleges, the admissions rates are going down, the competitiveness is going up. 
Um, and now college, like you said, is this means to a greater end uh, for a lot mm-hmm. of people. It's a necessary stepping stone to gain the skills, credibility, credentials, um, life, life understanding to move into a role later in life where hopefully you can earn more um, and have a more uh, fulfilling life. Not guaranteed, mm-hmm. but you at least have a higher shot at it. And I think mm-hmm. you're right. I think that cutting corners part is a big part of that because if you only see college as a stepping stone, you're only going to do as much work as is required to, uh, you know, to meet that expectation. Um, yeah, that's pretty wild. Exactly. Have you noticed any of that, like cutting corners, like whether that's like cheating or using spark notes or, um, you know, people that are, that are there for the end goal versus just being there in the moment? Well, definitely on the gen eds part of it, like Mm -hmm. I mentioned before, is just if you're trying to pass your management class that's for every pre-business student, you're going to be using each other's study sheets and kind of all studying together and then memorizing and not really understanding the concepts um, at all. That's It's the concepts that's kind of where the last judgment is. Right. Um, but I, it also depends on the teacher too. I think that if the teacher is really stressing learning and that process, then that's so much more beneficial. I'm currently in a history class and it's my gen ed um, requirement, but it's called the West in the World One and I have a professor that is really into having you learn how to read books because he kind of says that a lot of history and English classes, you just don't read the books, right? You're not really reading for comprehension. You're just reading to memorize what the main points are. Hmm. Um, And so he basically gives us the flexibility of telling us, giving us like step-by-step instructions of how to read better. Right. And then lets you, um, if you did better on your second test than you did your first test, He's like, oh, that means that you improved your study habits and that you actually learned something from what you're doing. So I'm going to replace your bad grade with if with the better grade on the second test. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of teaching really helped me want to know how to learn better. So I wasn't stressing about reading a book in one night or spark noting. Like I actually read the book because I cared about it and I kind of saw that it was attainable to get an A in that class if I read the book. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. I had a chance too. So, and I'm sure you had you kind of learned some of that stuff when you were doing Teach for America too about what incentives are good, what how to push learning and not cutting mm. corners and stuff. Yeah, and that's a really interesting thing to bring up. So you're right, when I was teaching, um, one of the biggest things that frustrated me when I was in high school was that teachers mm-hmm. wouldn't go out of their way to try to make the class interesting, right? Or they wouldn't, mm-hmm. they would kind of say, okay, well, we all worked really hard and went through this, quote, boring material so that, you know, and we did it, now you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this attitude among a lot of teachers that's, you know, if a kid doesn't do the work, like that must be because they're undisciplined or unmotivated. And that can be true. But I think the other side of the coin is that teachers aren't necessarily always trying their best either. They're not putting yeah. themselves in the minds of students thinking, okay, if I was in my own class, would what I'm learning be interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a science teacher, you know, science is one of the coolest subjects there is. I'm not biased or anything, but I really do think <laughs> that. Um, and so I would try really hard to, if we were learning about rocks, I would take them outside and we would walk around the campus looking for different types of igneous <laughs> or sedimentary rocks. Or if we were learning about the scientific method, I remember we did an yes. experience based on like how far, like how high you had to throw a football for it to go 40 yards or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it got my students out of this rhythm of show up, sit there for 90 minutes, read a textbook, memorize it, keep it moving, and into this this idea that learning is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be invigorating. It's supposed to be sure. 
um, is supposed to be enriching, right? And so I think curiosity, uh, a lot of people have curiosity, but I think the way that school can sometimes feel is that we're, we're quote, learning, but we're not mm-hmm. learning things that are interesting to us or that, are, that we feel are relevant to our lives. Um, mm-hmm. When you, we were talking yesterday, you, you mentioned the Enneagram and how you're, you're a four on the Enneagram <laughs> spectrum, which is uh, the individualist or romantic, correct? Yes. Um, yes, tell me, tell me how your your discovery of more of your enneagram type um, has played into it. Maybe give just a one sentence description of what the enneagram is for people that may not know. All right, the enneagram is t- the topic of conversation on campus right now, um, mm-hmm. and in a lot of my circles. But it's basically a it's hard to call it a personality test um, because it's very broad. It describes um, people in numbers from one to nine and it's just about your core motivation like it's different from the myers-briggs test um you can take the test online for free or you can pay to take it from the actual institute um but basically the best thing to do is um read a lot of books maybe take the test to get an idea of where you'd fall and then read about it online there's a lot of podcasts too that talk about the enneagram and then figure out where you fall um and it's great leadership opportunity it's a good way to see your weaknesses and um, kind of align why you are the way that you are. Um, and then a lot of people have taken like a spiritual aspect to it too. And kind of seeing like, this is our weakness with the Lord. And this is where, um, our strength is with the Lord. And you can kind of work on that once you are aware of that. So that's awesome. And will you tell me more about what you've learned about your type and how that applies to your, your pursuit of college and your pursuit of your degree? Well, yeah, I definitely, I think that there's the creative side comes in like fours are um, historically creative. And I'd say that um, that plays into my marketing branding. I get so excited about um, the little things and I get excited from the cinematography of La La Land and the music and all that. Um, but then also when I walk into a Chick-fil-A and the tray is laid out perfectly with the fries mm. sitting on the sandwich and you're just like this is such a consistent mm-hmm. brand like they are just pushing excellence you're making me hungry um i know <laughs> and so it's just like fun to think about i love that kind of stuff i love that attention to detail and that comes in with the four um in my major but then also with the college experience i want to be as successful as i can in marketing but kind of there's also wings if you're not familiar with enneagram there's you can either be um i'm a four so i can go one way the two or one way the three. Oh wait, the three or the five. Um, and four wing threes are historically more success driven. But for me personally, success doesn't necessarily mean in college, like getting that grade, getting into that school. Um, I think that my brothers were a little bit more like that about like, oh, like once I get here, mm. um, that's that's what I'm really striving towards. And my goals with that, or I just want to get the most out of my college experience at Clemson. I don't want to leave thinking like, oh, I wish I would got involved in this. Um, and so that can kind of be overwhelming with like, I am driven to be successful at Clemson as a Clemson student, as a young life leader. Um, and then ultimately, uh, if God allows working towards the perfect marriage or working towards success in my family. Um, and that's kind of my driving factor. And mm-hmm. so I'm, more willing kind of my poor nature too. I love talking about accent. Yeah. Um, well, but, funny enough, I'm an opposite. So I'm a three wing four, which yes. means per- like performance, success, like achieving. 
um, mm-hmm. at my worst, wanting to have the appearance appearance of success, even if the stuff underneath isn't isn't what I want it to be. Um, but at my sure. best, like entrepreneurial, striving to, to 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 push new ground and create new things, um, wanting to lead people in a, in a direction. Um, but my foresight is very self reflective, very introspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, the four is all about authenticity and being true to yourself. Mm-hmm. So the three side and the four side in me are always at war with each other because the three mm-hmm. side will say, oh, like, look at you. Like, you need to get this to look better to other people. But the four side mm-hmm. will say, well, that's not you. Like, why are you doing that? Like, that's mm-hmm. not who you are deep down. And so it's 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 a constant battle um, to get that right. But you're right. That did come into play in college because um, especially my senior year when I was looking into applying for my first job there was a lot of pressure to get the high profile uh, rotational program at a consulting firm or, or a bank or, or somewhere that would hire me basically. Um, and yeah. so I ended up applying to a lot of places and never even heard back. And that was really discouraging. And there was mm-hmm. this, there was this like deep down fear of doing something that wouldn't be cool to other people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the Lord's been working in my heart and, and taking some of that away. But I think that is still a part of, of my motivations um, if I'm not careful. Um, and it certainly did come into play in college. Well, Catherine, we need to take a quick break. But when we come right. back, we'll continue our conversation. And uh, I'll see you in just a second. Today's episode is brought to you by some of the best computer games from the 90s. Do you remember running home from school, getting off the bus, and turning on that big, giant Windows 95 computer just so you could play a little bit of games? What are some of those games, Will? Tell me some. One of my favorites was Freddy Fish. Oh my gosh. Fre- my, my favorite thing about Freddy Fish was that during backyard baseball or backyard mm. football or backyard soccer or backyard hockey, you would have that like demo of Freddy Fish. Oh yeah. And it was really fun. Right at the beginning. But then you couldn't get inside of the cave. Right. And so you had to go buy Freddy Fish to exactly. actually play Freddy Fish. You definitely had to. And backyard baseball, do you remember Pablo Sanchez? Oh my gosh. Pablo One Sanchez. of the best clutch hitters in all of history. <laughs> Much better than... Any, anyone else by 10 times. How could we forget Roller Coaster Tycoon? Oh my gosh. Un, unreal. It was a masterpiece. I made a lot of people throw up on some roller coasters <laughs> and Roller Coaster Tycoon. <laughs> so we have five seconds left. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Is our another great game. All right, back to the podcast. <laughs> All right, welcome back to our conversation with Catherine Darden, my sister at Clemson University. Catherine, during the break. Yes. Uh, we were talking a little bit about where we wanted to go next with this conversation, and I think we both wanted to talk a little bit more about how what it's like to be part of the Christian community at Clemson, but also part mm-hmm. of this culture of individualism and seeking performance through validation or affirmation of like through a great job or, or a great career or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about your experience in that culture, but also like fighting it, going with it, like what your friends and you have experienced. I would love to hear more about that. Yeah. Um, It's actually, I kind of say this, it's probably easier to be a Christian at Clemson than a lot of colleges. Um, There's definitely like a big culture here. I would say that um, FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes at Clemson, it's not just athletes. And that's our biggest industry on campus. And it had, we took over 500 people to Memphis, Tennessee for a service project, basically, um, for a week during spring break. And so just from that, you can kind of see that there's a big group of people that grew up Christian and are kind of taking that with them and really want to get involved in a ministry because that's kind of the next step too. And I think 
it's it's another level of the success in college is okay well once I get to college now I, I was led in high school by my leaders or by people that were um, youth group leaders and whatever at my church and now it's time to be a leader and to lead high school kids um, so that's kind of the next step in the Christian culture is okay well what are you doing like are you a young life leader are you involved in FCA what's your um, leadership position what are you doing for the kingdom in a way um, and that's kind of just it ties back into the success and validation and making sure that we're not just getting involved in something to be involved in something or because that's always what we thought we would do but really understanding the core motivations behind that. Um, and it's just, it's such a gift to just be around a campus that um, is really supportive of Christians and then also trying to be welcoming to um, other groups of people. But yeah, it's been, it's been encouraging because I think that in high school, I had a great community as well. And that was through Young Life. Um, and I think that the Lord just really wanted me to kind of be placed in another little bubble of, okay, like here, here you are again, you have the community. Um, you're not really struggling to be a Christian at college because Mm. all all the people that you're meeting are kind of, um, similar to that, but I've given you this, how are you going to step outside of it? How are you going to get out of that comfort zone? Because there are still so many people to reach. There's still so many more conversations to be had. Um, and you can't just get stuck in that because I think that if I had gone to a school where um, it was really, really difficult for me to find a Christian community, I would think a little bit like once I did find it, I would want to stick within that. I'd be like, Oh, thank goodness. I found this. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of going to serve in this community and never really get out of it. So, yeah. Do you think the Christian culture in general has the same goals as the broader, we'll say non-Christian community, like getting a great job, uh, getting you know into a, a nice expensive metro area with a lot of connections, uh, making a lot of money or be living in a certain neighborhood. Uh, do, you, do you think that, that those are the primary things people want in the Christian community or do you think there's something else, um, potentially family or, or relationships or things like that? I think so. I There's definitely a culture of ring by spring here as well where our <laughs> yep. parents had that at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I would say yes, because mainly from Clemson, a lot of people are looking into Charlotte, Greenville, or Atlanta, and you're Mm -hmm. going to get that, get that little job that you've always wanted. And you're going to live in that apartment, either with your best friends or you'll be married by then. Mm, Um, Of course. Of course. Uh, That's what college is for. But (laughs) they, yeah. And then that's kind of your goals moving from there is, okay, how, what's my next step? How am I going to be providing for my family? Um, and then there's also people that are doing a lot with ministry and they have their goals within that. But mm-hmm. it's, I mean, we still can fall into the same um, success driven tactic of, okay, when, when am I going to get plugged into that church or where, where am I going to move to find this community? Cause I can't move to a place that doesn't have like a big um, church that right. I can get involved in or right. something. I have to have something that's a little bit cushiony yeah that so and we experienced that at unc too you know you Mm -hmm. you kind of are walking through life with these very two motivations that at times clash with each other the first motivation is i want to be true to to my faith i want to trust the lord i want to believe that he's got a plan for me and that even like in my heart i i like figure out where i want to go that he's going to guide my steps um Mm -hmm. and then you you know you trust in him if you're anxious or fearful or, or stressed you give that to him 
and you kind of have this abiding, trusting relationship. And that's that's the ideal if we're trusting the Lord and, and, and being shaped by him daily. But then the other core motivation is to keep up with other people, right? To mm-hmm. to look the part and to, you know, to get the ring by spring if you're at Clemson or to get that job in, in D.C. or Atlanta or New York or Charlotte mm-hmm. if you're from UNC or any or any college, right? Um, to to make six figures by 30, to, to get mm-hmm. that, that position or that degree that you want. And at times, I think those two motivations clash because you, you can't yeah. simultaneously be saying, okay, I'm going to trust the Lord, but I'm going to work so that if he doesn't come through, I'm still going to come out ahead. You know, mm-hmm. like, like it's fine to do those things. And I believe there are a lot of believers that, that love the Lord and are in those positions. But I think that for me in particular, it's a lot more challenging to to, to hold both and, and really trust God while also mm-hmm. like not feeling the need to keep trying to strive to get ahead. Yeah. And if you feel like you're kind of struggling with trusting him and thinking that he's kind of placed a calling on your life to maybe be, or this happened to my friend. Um, she came in as a nutrition major and then decided that uh, she just really, really wanted to be a nursing major, but it's a closed major. So it's really hard to get into. And so she's like, I feel like God wants me to be a nurse. I just feel like this is something that he's placed on my heart. This kind of goes in with my just internal nature of who I am. I just want to love people and serve them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like God's trusting me with that. But now I really have to work so hard to get into this school. And I mean, what if, what if I never do? What if um, I'm trying to trust the Lord with that, but I also have to just work my butt off to get it done. And it's not really in his hands when we're just trying to control it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's very competitive too. So where do you think we go from here, Catherine? You know, you're you're in it. Uh, you have a couple more summers left of, of seeking mm-hmm. internships or, or other jobs outside of of uh, of college leading up to your first job. I'm out of it, a couple of years out of it, but um, mm-hmm. my one of my main responsibilities at the nonprofit I work at is helping high school students figure out where they're going to college and guide them through the application process and mm-hmm. steward them through applying to financial aid and scholarships and giving advice and recommendations on where they should go. Um, and it's complex, right? It's really hard for me being at a, a Christian nonprofit to, to hold those in, in both hands too, because we want them to trust the Lord and we want them to, to lean on him. And even if they don't get accepted to their dream school to believe that he's still got a plan. But on the other hand, we want to push them to go to the best school they can or to get into the most exclusive program they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and indirectly, we're, we're sometimes tempted to say that you're valued because of your performance and because of mm-hmm. where you end up, even though mm-hmm. that's not our heart. So my question for you is, what's what's next? If, if What do we tell high schoolers coming up now and even further in the future? Um, mm-hmm. Yours and my children, except you're, you understand what I'm saying. Yours and my yes. own children someday, <laughs> like 20, 30 years from now, what's, what's mm-hmm. this going to look like for them? I think that there's going to keep there's going to be more opportunities for creative jobs or ways that people didn't think that they were skilled in math and science. There's going to be um, places in social media, marketing, or um, just new opportunities for like creative outlets to open up and to be successful in that. So I think that that's hopeful, at least for people like me that just never really clicked with science or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, I admire engineering majors that I meet at Clemson so, so much for that. Um, but I think that, it is just a balance of what you're saying, just continually pushing them to um, work as hard as they can, but then also realize 
just because it's such an increasingly big deal in our culture, like that is not your worth or that is Mm -hmm. not where you're just because you can say that you went to UNC Chapel Hill. Um, I think maybe down the road, that's going to hurt you if you graduate and suddenly you're like, wait, that was, that was my goal. That was everything that I was. And Mm, now I can say that I'm a graduate, but what am I, what am I working towards now? Um, so I think that like with, uh, it's probably even getting harder for SAT scores and ACT scores. Um, it's probably getting more competitive than when we were getting into college and we're six years apart, but still from you taking the SAT to me taking the SAT, there's different numbers, different, it was set up differently to test you differently. And, um, taking now there's like, you can take courses on it and you can try to learn all the tricks to get the best grade. Um, I think that's important because it's an outlet to where you're going, but just realizing that, um, maybe just telling them to work hard for that grade, but then Mm. step back from there and like have your hands out and just be like, okay, I know that I honor the Lord and how I worked hard for this grade or it worked hard for this. Um, and then it's up to him if he wants to take that away and teach me through it because he'll still be there. Or if he wants to, um, let me have it and he'll be there then too. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to keep getting harder though to answer your question. <laughs> right. Well, I have this image in my mind. This just came to me of like a farmer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it would be ludicrous for a farmer to say ludicrous, ludicrous, SAT word. It would be ludicrous <laughs> for a farmer to say, I'm not going to plow this year. I'm not going to till the soil. Mm. I'm not going to do fertilizer. I'm just going to like put the seed down and God, God's got me, you know, like mm. I don't need to work like my hope is in him that farmer is going to have no crop when, when the time comes to harvest, right? Um, but you okay. see this image of a farmer, like, yes, you have to work and you have to work really, really hard. Um, in Genesis, we see that like work is going to be hard. It's going to be painful and it's going to feel a lot like we're not achieving or we're like, we're going to push, push, push for 40 plus years of our life and, mm-hmm. and maybe see one little sapling of, of growth out of the ground. Um, but then the Lord says, no, like, that's good. Like working is good and working hard is good and, and giving your best effort and being excellent and working as hard as you possibly can to bring glory to me is yeah. awesome. Right. But what is not awesome is when you take that work and it becomes your life and it becomes your identity and it becomes this thing that if I don't get this achievement or this reward, I'm not going to be fulfilled. Um, mm-hmm. So I think you're right. I think you have to plow and work and till the soil and water and and go out there and when it's hot and sweat, but at the end, like it's going to be your effort and your energy combined with God's providence and his, mm-hmm. his work too, to create this fruit that, um, that, that is great and honors him, but doesn't define you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where, that's where I see, you know, in, in my best days, that's what I'm doing. Um, yeah. and I think that's, that's something that we could keep in mind. And not comparing along the way. Because, I mean, I've already learned that I, um, some of my friends are not able to be on left leaders or to be really involved in a ministry as much as they'd want to because their majors are so time consuming, um, so challenging. And then I'm thinking, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not having to try as hard as them, or I'm not having to, um, really sacrifice things to, for my major, um, because I'm able to kind of have a balance of it, but just not comparing that we're all given different gifts. We're all given different skill sets to Mm -hmm. 
really get there and we're going to need the people that can work really well with the numbers and we're going to need the people people too. That's, um, a, that's a really good point. I, I think I heard Andy Stanley, a, a pastor in Georgia, say one time, um, like the, the comparison trap is like you're spending so much time looking side to side that mm-hmm. you can't see where you're going in front of you. And so you don't see what's coming and you, you end up tripping or running into things. But um, if you're truly looking at the Lord and truly looking at him, like you're going to be focused on um, being straight ahead. Right. And and you mm-hmm. won't you'll be so focused on what you've been called to do that you won't really have time to look side to side and say, oh, like, was my house the nicest or is my, uh, you know, do I have the most followers on Instagram or do I make the most money out of my friends or do I have the nicest car? Um, mm-hmm. If you have a if you have a calling and a purpose in front of you that, that captures your heart and mind and energy and soul, you're, you're not going to be focused on looking at the little things around you as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's when you get into the trap of like... Uh, like the comparison being your your thief of joy, like that's when it becomes really hard. And yeah. and I think you're right. God hasn't made everyone to be doctors or lawyers or CEOs or movie stars mm. or producers. Um, you know that, that's if we, like we're made different for a reason. And uh, and I think that the sooner we realize that, the sooner we're a lot more comfortable mm-hmm. in our own skin. Kind of going back to our mm-hmm. enneagram conversation, embracing the way we were made um, versus trying to be something we're not. So I think you're onto mm-hmm. something there. And for a message for the fours, uh, I, or I would just say that at least for authenticity is the kind of thing and God's really the only one that truly knows you or um, can really knows your authentic self. And so you don't really have to strive to um, show anyone else that either just because he can fulfill you in that too. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> well, we are almost out of time, Catherine. Do you have any right. parting words for the people listening? Any advice, any thoughts, anything you want to leave them with before we wrap up? Oh, goodness. Um, I would say be yourself and mm-hmm. keep striving to be the person that God has made you to be. Um, and he's going to use you in whatever way that looks like. And he's going to do a great work in you because that's what he be- began that's awesome <laughs> oh my goodness now i just we just saved it off and i'm preaching you're, you're you're leaving the <laughs> leaving the podcast like a pastor yeah i love it yeah um, well Go thanks away. for yeah thanks for coming on i hope the rest of your day goes well stay warm and yeah. i'll get to see you in like less than two weeks with thanksgiving yeah. coming up so i'm excited to excited to hang out we'll have the rest of the siblings together too and uh it'll be uh it'll be fun God, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, I'll this talk to fun. you. It was very fun. I had a blast. And um, <laughs> I'll talk to you uh, in a few days. All right. And that's a wrap. Episode four in the books. I'm here with Elizabeth. Elizabeth, thank you for coming on, helping us out with the podcast today. Happy to be here, Will. Well, tell us a little bit more about what's coming up and a little bit more about our social media. Gosh, so many things coming up. We've got the holidays. We've got some cool episodes kind of around that that we've been thinking through and people we've been talking to about that, um, which you'll be hearing more about. And to hear more about these things, you can follow us on our social media accounts at LookCloserPod on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find our podcast on iTunes, the Look Closer Podcast, or at LookCloserPodcast.com. And make sure you leave a rating or a review. We love getting positive feedback. We love to hear what people think, what they like, what they want to hear more of. We love it. And if you hear something that you really love or you hear an episode that really resonates with you, uh, share it with someone that you think would like it. Oh, uh, yeah. That's that's why we do it. And, and we love to get more people around the table and 
Uh, Yeah, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week for episode five.